Welcome to Southside Conversations, a monthly podcast brought to you by the Center for Dairy Excellence. We've heard time and time again that dairy farmers learn the most from other dairy farmers. So in this podcast, we are going to share real-time farmer insights, tricks of the trade, and inspiring stories from dairies across Pennsylvania. I'm Jane Seabright, Director at the Center. Here's this month's episode. Thanks for joining us. For this month, I've invited Tyler Rohr from Rohr Dairy Farm in Washington Borough, Lancaster County, to share a little bit about their dairy operation and a recent expansion they went through. The Rohr family is hosting an open house in early October on the farm, and we thought it might be nice to have them share a little bit about the dairy before that open house. So let's get started. Tyler, why don't you start out by telling us a little bit about who is involved with the dairy and what your size and scale is. Yeah, so uh, we're a 1,700-cow herd dairy farm. Uh, We keep all our replacements on site. Uh, There's six full-time family members involved and then uh, 12 employees. And uh, we, yeah, us family oversees and manages pretty much all the feeding from calf to cow and manages employees and also oversees all operations. Um, the employees pretty much milk cows, and we do have some herd managers. So um, talk a little bit about the history of the farm and how it has evolved over the years. Yeah, so in 1956, uh, my grandpa started here, was married a couple years, and had a herd of 13 to 20 cows and uh, through the years grew that and also had steers and and in 73 he decided to put in a milking parlor Uh, it was actually an eight stall carousel and uh, grew a couple hundred cows and he still had steers and a lot of cropping going on and then in 83 he expanded again to a double ten and that's when he decided to focus mainly on dairy and so we got rid of steers and focused more in on the cows and and that's when uh, the second generation really started to take a hold of things as well my dad and uncles uh, became more and more involved um, especially my dad with the cows Um, and then uh, in 93 we built a double 20 herringbone parlor and uh, since then continued to grow and uh, we now went through an expansion, uh, just started up uh, 10 months ago, and uh, we have a 60-stall carousel um, milking 1,600. I actually remember in 1993 when you guys built that expansion because my grandma lived in Mountville, and whenever mm-hmm. we came down to see my grandma in Mountville, my dad and my brother and others always wanted to well, I mean, it was new, so they wanted to go see your farm. I think it was just over the hill, or it wasn't very far away. Um, but I remember that. So, talk a little bit about your management structure and your philosophy on the farm. Yeah, so we try to keep things simple. Um, we don't get too deep into everything, but. Uh, most of our employees are just uh, mainly milking cows and some herd guys, but uh, 
family takes care of all the fill-in and and other things on the farm and maintenance and everything so yeah we keep things simple we try to uh, make a good environment for the employees and and uh, treat them well and and uh, when they we're very fortunate we have good employees that haven't haven't really replaced anybody in five years or so Um, so yeah they even fill in for themselves if somebody's away it works out really well Um, so yeah management yeah we just uh, oversee and try to check off all the tasks each day. What are some of the business goals you have you and your family have for the dairy? Yeah, so I mean obviously any dairy needs to try to keep figuring out how to be more efficient in uh either the cost side of things of producing milk or just uh more efficient with with labor and and uh uh more efficient with our time and uh so you know going along with that growing is always a good thing if you can continue to be more efficient or if that helps you to become more efficient so what is your role on the family farm and when did you join the business yep so me and my cousin uh both joined in 2021 we came on as partners and uh yeah, pretty much the the expansion before we went through the whole expansion process, there was a big uh, family family meetings, lots of meetings, and and we had some consultants involved and in transitioning all that. But uh, me and my cousins came on in 21, and uh, and I oversee all the maintenance in the rotary and and uh, milk and cows and some of the herd work. Yeah, each of us have our own areas. So talk a little bit about the expansion on the dairy and what all it involved. Yeah, so in uh, 2015, 2016, my dad saw some... uh, concerns with our double 20 parlor starting to show wear and tear and and just uh keeping things nice and efficient and so growth was talked about and when they started looking around and looking at rotaries and dairies with rotaries it was just evident that 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 uh became kind of top priority to, to work towards and and uh so the whole process started um Pretty much in 2015, they started getting engineers involved and drawing up and construction guys drawing up a plan and and then uh, then as that went got started, it became evident that we need to talk. The next generation's interest was moving forward and and what that looked like. So we started back. You know, so we worked through some of those things for a couple of years, and then in 2019, uh, we started the whole process kind of over again with engineering, permitting, and going to building, and and took a year of just straight construction till we were milking cows, and and uh, now we're in 10 months and starting to breathe again. Now, did you have to buy in any cows for the expansion, or did you grow internally? Yeah, so we we did buy a few a few heifers um 
pretty much yeah we bought 250 animals um maybe we don't do as good as we could for raising heifers but we did kind of it was kind of in a slump period where um we just didn't have as many replacements as we could have and so uh, but internal growth moving forward for sure and uh you know to continue growing and continue to push our numbers uh i would think most of that will be internal and and maybe we will buy a few hundred more or a couple hundred more if if we feel the need to uh fill a, a void what what is your goal what do you want to get to in size so you know we had built with our expansion, we built one new freestyle barn and the rotary, and that's allowed us to comfortably uh, really space things out. Uh, we have a lot of room for our, our pregnant heifers. We were getting some heifers custom raised uh, because we didn't have enough facilities, so we did. We haven't been doing that any since, but you know we've gotten very comfortable with all of our areas more so than it's been in a long time. Um, so kind of where we're at now, you know, 1600, 1700's all we really want to be milking, maybe a herd of 18, maybe 1900, but um, we are permitted to build another barn. And until we do that, uh, we'll be 1900 cows or less. Um, but, uh, once that barn comes, we can add a couple or a few more hundred, you know, maybe two or 300 more cows on top of that, um, and still be very comfortable. And, and that barn's bigger than that amount, but it's, it frees up other areas for more heifers because we would mm -hmm. need more space for those. And do you, do you have a timeline on that barn yet, or is that just? as we're, you're waiting to see how this progresses. Yeah, um, you know, we are ready to milk more now. The rotary's definitely been evidently more efficient than we were prospecting, and, and uh, so we're ready. We're ready for more, but, uh, you know, right now is not the time to borrow money at 9% yeah. interest. <laughs> so yeah. to look at that barn, and, and with our barns, they're a little more expensive because all of our barns are slatted floor barn, and so we have we have a lot more up front that we got to put out. And so I think if we establish some cash in the next year or two, um, you know, I don't know if we'll be building next year, but uh, hopefully by 2025 we can be doing some more of something. Um, you mentioned the slatted floor barn. How does that? Does that change anything about your manure management plan, or why do you why do you guys like the slotted floor barns as far as handling yeah. manure? Yeah, so in '93 when we built, um, you know, my my dad and grandpa and they all decided that man, a slotted floor barn just makes sense. You're not you're not uh, you know we kind of we like to keep things nice around our place. Uh, you know, we're not looking at lagoons or ponds full of manure and and uh, so they like that, and it's worked really well for us. And and we've since '93, before this expansion, we had added uh, three other barns that are slatted floor as well. And so now that you know we built this expansion, it just continues to work well for us. And uh, so that's the route we went again here, and and uh, it's just really worked well. We're not hauling rain. We feel good about it. We have enough 
have enough uh, land to put our manure on. We're hauling. Everything's real close. So we're, you know, it's convenient. We we do all of our own field work. The family, in family here, pretty much. And uh, so, yeah, we need to be able to be efficient with it. And I feel like that's that's established that for us. So um, back to the expansion. What do you think the three to five most important benefits the new dairy setup brought to your dairy are? Yeah, well, for sure the rotary plays a big role. Um, you know, not only is it more consistent and comfortable for the cows, but uh, the employees, it's it's a better environment, uh, less walking, and, and you just don't have to try as hard to be a lot faster as far as milk, you know, putting milk out the door. And uh, so definitely the consistency with the rotary, and I think, just all that entails just gets you a healthier cow at the end of the day and and uh the cows just just have a better environment all in all um so the expansion also you know spaced things out we have a lot less overcrowding uh with more space um and uh yeah it's it's also you know we didn't add any employees but it did free up a lot of a couple areas for our family to ease up a little bit so that we're not overran at the end of the week um so you know not only our employees are milking more cows than they ever were in less time but they're they're pitching in and doing a couple of the other things a couple of the other tasks on the farm that just take away from our daily tasks so uh, yeah, beneficial for labor side of things for family and just cow comfort plays a big role that uh, with the rotary. Just to talk a little bit more about the rotary parlor since it is um, unique. I think it's the first of its kind in Pennsylvania or the largest one in Pennsylvania. Um, can you just describe the parlor in a little more detail? Tell us about some of the oh. unique aspects of that parlor or what some of the things that you you guys really like about it? You know, we had toured many rotaries, um, basically every kind out there. And, and uh, you know, they all have different options. They all have different equipment. And we just landed on the Madeira, uh, Madeira Dairy Systems. Uh, and it, it's a all stainless deck with all AFI equipment, uh, milk meters and the milk, uh, AFI milk. Uh, AFI Lab. Some people know it as the AFI Lab. Um, and that equipment alone spoke volumes to me just for the herd health and getting a picture of that cow. And mm -hmm. uh, that lab, the AFI Lab helps with that. There's, you know, it collects a butterfat reading, a protein reading, and this um, conductivity, a blood reading, and then it knows ketotic cows. Uh, so, you know, that herd health side of things uh, played a big role for me. Um, no other equipment company was really offering anything at that, that extent. Um, at the time, we weren't really looking for activity. So we weren't looking to add activity. And I think we could have accomplished some of the same things with activity and not had that. But then you're looking at just as much cost. We weren't ready to get into 
uh, activity. Um, but yeah, I just like the simplicity and the durability of the Madeira deck. It's all stainless. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it has its cons as well. I'm, I'm, I don't know that I could point one out at the moment, but, uh, yeah, we just really like it. Uh, 60 stall carousel, 60 stall rotary. Um, cows are coming on great. I mean, they're getting off good. Um, just the environment's just quiet, steady, and consistent. And uh, yeah, it just not only you know we were in a double 20 parlor with three guys, and now we're in a rotary with three guys, milking you know 30, 40 percent more cows in an hour or two hours less time um it's just really going well and and we know that there's room to improve that um you know we can change how we prep cows and cut it down to two guys if we wanted and probably milk just as quick or we can just speed and have more throughput um, but we just don't have those needs to do those yet because we don't have any more cows than we have so mm-hmm. a rotary is going to be ready to milk more cows than you're ready for and uh, that's just proven itself to us yeah i i was actually out at your farm in august and was really impressed with the new setup so um looking looking back when you when did you start planning for the expansion and who all did you involve in the conversation yeah, so the family pretty much was in communication as far as what, you know, what we're looking for and, and uh what we're looking to do and uh and then uh as far as the timeline, uh, pretty much started in 2019, but we already had some groundwork done before that. So to give a great timeline, not sure how to put that, but uh you know, we we went through you know, 2019 was planning and and pulling together the permitting stuff. We had engineers involved for sure, um, and uh, and the builder was barely involved with with uh, planning and all the different building needs. So you know, we it was definitely two years of planning before we even and and getting the permits. Uh, which which is a big thing nowadays, but um, definitely two years before moving dirt and then moving dirt construction with with the project that we did took pretty much exactly a year. It was actually a little more than a year, and there were still straggling things. We did a lot of renovating after we built mm-hmm. to our other buildings. So um, yeah, it's it's definitely a three year process. So um, you said that you did a lot of planning. You said the builder and the engineers were involved. Did you involve any other consultants or financial advisors or anyone to help think through the process and some of the the steps that you took? So for a decade or more, we have been fairly close with our accountants, acuity advisors. Mm -hmm. Um, They, you know, us family, we... We get everything done at the end of the day, but uh, book work ain't ain't the top of the list. Um, not that we don't keep good books, but uh, as far as knowing where we compare with other dairies and a little bit of insight on where things are moving, um, 
we just uh we 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 have almost quarterly meetings with them every year uh and so we do take a lot of advice and and uh recommendations from acuity and yeah we were in a pretty good position going into the process knowing you know they they manage how we do our tax planning uh in a big way and and so the bank was involved the whole time moving through that and and uh so knowing we had a good position going into it which helped so what are some of the milestones you had you mentioned permitting and it took a while what are some of the milestones you had to walk through to get to where you are or any of the hurdles you encountered along the way there was a a couple unknowns going right when we were starting our project kind of in in the middle of permitting or after we were approved and moving dirt um covid hit and uh supply chain became a big issue and and we've seen it affect more things in more cer- certain areas more than others for sure it was a lot of uncertainty um you know our co-op put in some base restrictions so then the banks worried well you know if you're not going to get paid for all your milk or how are you going to handle more milk and so the, there was a lot of questions and and we just had to work through one at a time um you mentioned the co-op piece given that you were with a co-op that had a base access plan did that did that change your decision making process like you did you have a conversation with it what was your plan to address that issue any thoughts yeah on so we were able to acquire some base um you know we were with dfa so we were able to acquire some base buying out some other dairies um but it was a small percentage of what we knew we needed but you know my dad you know one thing he's always said was you know if if we can stay on a competitive advantage side of things if we can stay in the top 10 or top 20% of dairies um you know what do we have to worry about a whole lot because if we're that competitive you know there's going to be a, people in a lot worse position than us um if if something happens and so we were leaning on that some but yet not being foolish either we knew taking on a lot of debt and the building project that we were looking at but that's where the accountants and the bankers we had to you know the accountants were able to put projections together for the bank and and with assurance that things were still going to be in a good position figuring on the low side of those figures so um there was yeah a lot of planning yeah, and I guess the situation changed a little bit now going into the new year with the base. Do you want to talk about how that's advantageous to you guys? Yeah, so yeah, now now DFA is uh, starting the first of the year in 2024. Uh, there will be very little base restrictions, um, just basically four months out of the year. Uh, I think they call it the spring over spring or whatever, so um whatever we produce in 24 that will be kind of our base for those four months in 25 um but there is a couple plants looking to take more milk uh in the east coast here so that should help things too and that might be one big reason why they had lifted those knowing there's going to be a lot more milk 
um, needed in the East. So, you know, and, and that just alludes to, hey, this is, you know, a business that if you can stay very competitive, then there's a, there's a place for you. Yeah, there's actually two new plants coming on in New York. There's one down in West Virginia. It should open up a lot of a market opportunity for the, the dairies that are capable of getting it there. So um, back to the expansion, what what was your family's biggest reason for wanting to expand and how does it fit into your long-term goals for the operation? So kind of going back to that, 2015, you know, 2016, when I knew my dad started kind of looking at this uh, expansion, um, you know, it it was in the mind like, hey, our double 20 parlor is not going to last forever. We're going to have to upgrade that. That's the most important piece to milking cows is getting them milked uh, in a good way. And uh, so, you know, the the bearing started going then and, and uh yeah, they just started looking around at the kind of the new thing to do. I mean, rotaries weren't in back in the 90s, and, and now they are, and, and it's definitely definitely a good way to milk cows. Uh, cows want to get on that thing, and they want to get milked, and, and then they get off. And it's just amazing that it can go as seamless as it has even just after, you know, six, eight, or ten months. Mm-hmm. So when when I was out at your farm in August, you mentioned you guys kind of you guys look at making some kind of substantial investment in the operation every five years, or just try to continually look at reinvestments. Can you talk a little bit through that thought process? Yeah. So one thing that you know back in in the eighties when my dad and, and uncle and my grandpa's. Um, you know, they focused on dairy and, and uh, you know, as farmers, they pretty much reinvested pretty much all their income into farming. And, and if it wasn't into cows or expansion or being more efficient, it was into the land. And, and we we farm, you know, we're not renting much land. Most of the farm that we farm is, is owned. And uh, so that's, that's how we're in the position we're in, um, just reinvesting the money in the business, um, keeping up on our equipment. You know, we, you know, us family, when we're, we're in equipment, we need to get it done. So we need to have reliable equipment. And so, you know, we do, we have decent equipment. Um, and, uh, that needs to be true with, with all the milking, all the milking equipment. And, uh, uh, yeah, need, we need to, need to be able to get things done effectively each day so so another thing you mentioned a little bit ago was you said you really didn't change your employee structure with the expansion so tell us a little bit about your employees um, what nationality they are um, how you develop a culture for your workforce and what some of your goals are in motivating and keeping them engaged yeah so um we're yeah we have we have basically 12 full-time employees outside of family and um three quarters of those would be spanish help uh one way or another um but there is a few that are just local guys a couple guys are with us you know there's three there's three or four guys that are with us you know 15 20 years or more and uh 
just just establishing a good environment for them and keep them happy at the end of the day and and uh but then the spanish help you know it's gotten more over the years but uh there is a little bit of a mix and it just kind of works you know sometimes there's a little bit bicker in here and there but at the end of the day they're all here the next day so um <laughs> you know they they're they're enjoying what they do or else they know it's it's better here than than the next place they think they can go but uh yeah, I mean it is mostly Spanish and and they're hard workers. They put a lot of hours in just cuz it's 12 full-time guys. Uh they're they're an average of more than 12 guys. Um but uh it it uh it works really well. Yeah, I was I was going to say like 1700 cows with only 12 non-family members. That seems like that's a really efficient. I don't know how many cow like I can't do the math on how many cows, but that's almost, if you count your family members, that's almost uh, over 100 cows or close to 100 cows per worker, correct? Yeah. Yeah, and and that's that's a number that we look at with the accountants, and it's uh, full-time equivalent would be 56 hours. And so we're actually 20, 21 or 22 full-time equivalents. Um, now, that's only figuring us family at 56 hours, but because uh, mm-hmm. all of us family are are pretty much salary, but, uh, um, so it gets handled a little different, but I mean, there's, there, we have, we have our flexibilities built into our schedules as well. So, Mm -hmm. but yeah, our, our milkers definitely are working more than 56 hours, at least most of them. And, uh, so we do, we do average 22 full-time equivalents. So transitioning a little bit, being part of the younger generation at Roar Dairy, what do you think some of the key learnings you've had are along the way from transitioning to more of a manager or partner role in the operation? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, back in high school, I used to used to milk cows, and that's where I was, and or feed calves, and that's what I did, and and uh, a little bit more management, but uh, yeah, I got you know, I'm in charge of maintenance with the rotary, so. That thing ain't turning. I need to be here and be the one fixing it. So, or figuring it out, or calling the right person. So, it has it has some stresses, but uh, you know it's it. You know, we, yeah, we're all we're all we all have our areas, and and that's kind of everyday stuff for us. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know. I think we just we just have a good team and good good uh, effective workforce here that. You know, it doesn't take much management. You know, if we're checking off all of our tasks and uh, making sure we don't have animals that are unhealthy that shouldn't should be treated or something, but as long as we're doing those things, um, you know, I don't think anybody's stressed too much, and it's just a decent environment to work in. So um, you mentioned a couple times you make sure you're checking all the stuff off do you do you have um written protocols in place that um people follow or you make sure that checklists those kind of things just making sure that things are done day in and day out or is it mostly just people know what to do yeah people just know i mean we like i said we don't have any any new employees really right now i mean uh the employees kind of know what what they got to do and uh they they know that we're watching if 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 they're not doing something 
they'll they'll be left known right away and and we've had people that had to leave already because they weren't doing things so the employees remember that and they know that we're watching even though we're not and uh <laughs> so yeah we just know what needs to be done and uh it the the employees respect that and and uh so we don't we don't have protocols or things that we actually check off but if we're just doing what we're supposed to be doing um everybody's happy and and if we're not somebody will let us know about it so how long have you been on the farm what was your after you left high school what was your path back to the farm yeah so i was i was uh full time on the farm until two thousand thirteen me and my wife started having kids and and I was still here over harvest time and helped with the field work some um but uh, I was not here full time and and so then I had came back in nineteen part time and then went full time again in twenty and and uh so yeah, it's not like I was ever not here, but I wasn't here for a number of years. Um, what, six or seven what years. What did you do? What did you do during those seven years? Yeah, me and my wife had uh, owned and operated a produce farm. What interested you in coming back to the farm or being part of the farm in the first place? Um, yeah, so uh, my parents had gotten consultants involved in, in transitioning how they were going to do this. and It was communicated to the whole family and and what was going to be expected and um and yeah produce produce ain't always an easy thing and i i loved retail and being with the customers and um it was kind of interesting 2020 was kind of the first year we were out of it and i was kind of glad because uh covid and the challenges that brought that wasn't great for our operation just because we're kind of a destination destination retail spot and and so customers weren't coming to our place like like they had in the past and and uh it was extra hard to keep those customers but i never never hated the farm i just i i was glad to do something different for a number of years and and uh just family decisions led me back here to a good opportunity and and i was glad to be part of the whole process here with uh building the new facility so um any any suggestions you mentioned like the family planning process any steps you would encourage dairy farm families to take to ensure successful transitions or to improve communications or work like you guys went through some of that any thoughts Yeah if you have uh generations involved with your operation or multi-family members uh, there needs to be open and honest communication, um, and there needs to be commitment. You know, any dairy farmer knows uh, you're not in dairy business for five or ten years. It's it's a it's a long term commitment, and uh, it doesn't work well if if it ain't a long term commitment. So I think mm-hmm. just knowing those things. So lastly, if another farm came to you and said they were interested in pursuing a major expansion project and just asked for some advice, what would you tell them? And what would you encourage them to be thinking about in terms of the timeline and the pre-expansion planning process? Yeah, I think uh, to have more, you know, me personally, I like having 
different options, um, but having having uh, different people consult you in different areas is definitely a good thing. Uh, you need to have a good team, whether it be engineers, builders, um, that know the project or know what's involved. Um, and uh, if you have family members, you need to have very open and honest communication. Um, the goals need to be there for a long-term commitment. Um, you know, dairy business, you're, you're not spending a lot of money and typically you're not doing it debt free. And, and if you're loaning the money, it's, that makes it all the longer and more difficult. You know, there's costs, there's costs per hundred weight for that. And, uh, so you gotta, gotta know what you're getting yourself into. Uh, if you don't know your books as good as a quality accountant, um, you need to have a quality accountant involved with that process as well. So thank you, Tyler, for joining me today. I thought this was really interesting. Hopefully others learn a lot from your discussion and will have the opportunity maybe even to visit the farm during the open house next month. So so thanks for joining. Yep. And uh Thank you to all of our listeners for joining today. As always, this podcast series is brought to you by the Center for Dairy Excellence to share farmer insight, tricks of the trade, and inspiring stories from dairies across the state. For more episodes, you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music. With uh, the fall harvest upon us, and this being National Farm Safety Month, I'll leave you with this. Stay safe out there, everyone. Thanks for joining.